Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Don't you just love the gospel procession? The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ coming down to his people. Wow. Now our text today, of course, is Psalm 2, that Old Testament lesson that Pastor Arp read for us just a few moments ago. And if you would like to follow along as we go along through Psalm 2, just pull the hymnal out of the view back in front of you and, uh, you know, muddle with those pesky Roman numerals and get to page 27. You will find Psalm 2. Now, I'm sure you all have heard the axiom, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And you know that axiom kind of sums up our psalm today, a psalm that is actually titled, The Reign of the Lord's Anointed. As this psalm opens, God reveals to his people a stark Division between the kings of the earth and the kingdom of heaven. The kings of the earth, you see, have combined their voices as they gather together in open rebellion against God. Their hubris and their loss of reason are revealed as the kings of the earth describe God's law himself and the rule of his anointed as the shackles of slavery. The divide between heaven and earth could not be more plain. Sin has separated God and man. Of course, this does not surprise us. The history of mankind itself is replete with examples of debauchery and our sins. Our sinful nature moans and it whines, crying out that God's commandments are burdens that need to be shed like a deer sheds its antlers in the winter. Also, we can be free. That does sound familiar, doesn't it? If you've watched or heard the evening news lately, we note that countries still seek to displace each other with both military power and economic power. Earthly voices continue to cry out against God and his creation and the way that he has ordered it. It's as if the creation thinks they know better than their creator. We even rage against his anointed as we seek to find our own way to the Father. Ignoring the work of salvation that is won by Christ alone. Now the psalmist characterizes all of this rage against the Lord and his anointed as a plot in vain. For we do not seem to grasp or understand that this separation we seek from God and the order that he provides is really simply seeking our own destruction. And to put the cherry on top of this Sunday of insanity... When we receive rebuke and correction from those who call us back 
from our straying. We demonize them, calling them hateful and unloving and uncaring, all as we continue to scoff at God's creation and his plan for our salvation. What a way to open up a psalm, huh? But the psalmist reveals that God responds to all of our vain plotting with laughter. Laughter akin to a parent who hears their two-year-old say, no. Now, a two-year-old can certainly say no to the things that are good for you. And yes, they might even scream them at times. But it really doesn't change the reality that what they desire to their harm, their parents refuse them for their good. It isn't that their parents don't understand their desires, it's that their parents understand what they need and what they don't need. Children need to eat. They need to sleep. Yes, go to sleep. Not now. They need to exercise. They need to be loved. They need some mental stimulation, and yeah, they even need a bathroom time to time to stay healthy. And yes, they need to hear about Jesus. But consider this. The psalmist reveals that God hears. He hears the hubris of the nations and the things that they seek, things that defy reason, he hears the scoffing of his law and the dismissal of the rule of his anointed, both of which are for our good, by the way. And his response is laughter, followed by a decree that comes downward from heaven to his creation, a decree that is filled with both revelation, a promise, a command, a warning. And a blessing. For here God reveals in the psalm that all authority belongs to him alone. He says, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. You are my son, today I have begotten you. And God promises his son that if you ask, I will make the nations your heritage. In the ends of the earth, your possession. And then God commands the nations, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. Acknowledge his rule over you. And then God warns, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. For those who believe and follow the king, God's anointed, God blesses. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. God returns good for evil. Now, even though this psalm is not titled a psalm of David, it is still attributed to him. 
In that light, it becomes easier to see some of that history of Israel. After all, the first anointed king over Israel was Saul. and He didn't do so well. David was anointed to be the next king, but at his anointing, Saul was still alive. And Saul sought to keep his kingship from David by killing David. Yet even when given the chance to kill Saul, David refused to take the life of God's anointed. David honored God's anointed, and God honored David, giving him the promise that his throne would be established forever. This is what is referenced when the psalmist writes, I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Now after David's death, every son of David that reigned over either Israel or the southern kingdom probably used this psalm as part of their coronation. It was a way of defining and reminding everyone that God had placed them on this throne so that they might be obeyed. Yet there was trouble. <laughs> Go figure. The ten northern tribes of Israel asked to have the yoke of their burdens lessened after King Solomon's death. Rehoboam, Solomon's son and now reigning king, replied thusly, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. The ten northern tribes didn't take that well. They rebelled. Israel split into two kingdoms. The northern tribes retained the name Israel for the nation. And the southern kingdom, well, the remaining two tribes became the southern kingdom of Judah. God in heaven sees this and shakes his head as they reject the king that God has placed on the throne in Zion. Now, as promised by God, the kings of the southern kingdom remain within the line of David. Yet the southern kingdom had its fair share of bad kings. So God continued to send prophets to both kingdoms, the north and the south, calling them to repentance, to return to the Lord, to serve the Lord with fear for his son is going to sit on the throne. Forever. In the end, they all scoff at the Lord's rebuke. The northern kingdom is destroyed by Assyria. The southern kingdom is destroyed by Babylon, including Jerusalem and the temple. Babylon sends a remnant of Judah into exile, and it seems the kingship of David is lost. Now it would seem initially that the loss of the throne of David must have been devastating to Judah. Yet the prophets reveal that one is coming. It is in this now it is now in this light of exile that the Jews come to understand this psalm more fully. They come to understand 
that this psalm points to the Messiah. And what does the Messiah mean? The anointed one. This makes this psalm a Christmas psalm. For here God reveals that despite the vain plots of mankind, his plan is to take the anointing of David and extend his throne through his son, Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of God. God's anointed. Where it now remains forever. People of God, did you know that the title of Christ and Messiah means the anointed one? Jesus is God's anointed, and nothing the world does will ever change that. But our world will certainly try. Our world is filled with many voices. Many voices that seek to penetrate our lives through the mediums of newspapers, radios, videos, podcasts, TV, streaming services, and a multitude of social media. There are voices that try to unify, but there are many voices that just want to divide. Voices that cry out for everything except No, not God's anointed. But this is really nothing new. At the time of Jesus, there were many voices that brought division. Voices that strove to divide the faithful and voices that opposed God. Never was man so wrong as when he opposed Jesus and hung him on a cross to die a cursed death. But even God used this for our greatest good, for the sacrifice of Jesus paid for the sins of all. A devotion this week reminded me that God uses the kingdoms of man to accomplish his purpose. After all, Caesar Augustus himself was a willing pawn in the plan of God. He issues a decree that all the world should be enrolled so Rome could estimate their tax revenue. Caesar is interested in riches and power. But God uses that interest to move Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem so that the prophecy of his son's birth might be fulfilled. God's plan for the salvation of all mankind comes to fruition despite our vain plotting. Have you ever stopped to consider just how many vain plots of mankind were used by God to bring about the birth of his son according to all of the prophecies about him? Have you ever stopped to consider How many vain plots of mankind were used by God to advance his gospel and put you in this seat this very morning? The persecution of the church in Jerusalem pushed the gospel out to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The gospel cannot be stopped for God's anointed reigns forever. 
Now, like the Jews who came to see this psalm in its post-exilic light, we now see this axiom today in a different light. The more things change, the more they stay the same. God is faithful. He doesn't forget or renege on his promises. God is purposeful. He works through our vain plotting to bring about his promises. Despite our whining because of our fallen desires, he continues to work until all of his promises are fulfilled. This means that as we celebrate the fulfillment of one of God's promises this day, the birth of his son, his anointed, we can take heart. Even if today we are grieving over loss. Even if if we are fretting over the results of a test to come. Or perhaps even floundering in any circumstance that puts your earthly life in jeopardy. Because the entrance of Jesus into this world shows us that beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is actively working for our future, a future that is as eternal as God himself. Through the work of Jesus, God's anointed. The barrier that separates God and man is removed. All of this contained in a baby? baby Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, God's anointed, the one whom God bids us to now receive with joy. For he came with the express purpose of bringing us peace with God, peace with each other. The angels declared it pretty plainly. That evening to the shepherds. Now as earthly kingdoms come and go, nothing will change the reign of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word made flesh. Come down to dwell with his people and bring them peace. So the next time you hear this axiom, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Smile. And remember the title of this psalm, the reign of the Lord's anointed. Thanks be to God for his son, Jesus Christ, the Lord's anointed. The one who now reigns on David's throne forever. The babe born in Bethlehem to pay for the sins of the world and to bring us peace. The one who is forever the same yesterday, today, and forever The one who will faithfully keep all of his promises, especially the one that he is coming again soon. So that what the psalmist says this day will be true. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Praise be to God whose anointed reigns forever. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding.
Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.